1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The state legislature has passed a new state budget just in time for tomorrow's constitutional deadline.
0: But as KQED's politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, it's something of a placeholder. The $300 billion state budget is the largest California spending plan ever, and it includes some $10 billion in tax refunds for small business owners and all but the highest income earners. It also has a huge bump up for K-12 schools and, noted Assembly Budget Chair Phil Ting from San Francisco, billions to improve public schools' infrastructure. Good for our schools. It's good for the economy. Those are all jobs that are going to happen in all of our communities up and down the state. But Republicans complained there's too little money for farmers and water storage and no freeze on the gas tax, which the GOP is pushing. Assemblyman Vince Fong from Bakersfield.
1: Californians are rightfully frustrated. They are paying more and getting less. State spending continues to rise. But the problems get worse and crises go unaddressed.
0: But Democrats did put tens of billions into things like addressing homelessness, affordable housing, and preventing wildfires. And Senate Budget Chair Nancy Skinner from Berkeley touted the $38 billion put into reserves.
2: Covering our budget stabilization account, the Special Fund for Economic Uncertainties, the public school system stabilization account, and our safety net reserve.
0: None of that appeased Brian Daly, the Senate Republican who's running for governor. He used a culinary metaphor to describe the plan. So members, there's a lot of ice cream, I call it. There's not a lot of vegetables. Despite the budget's passage, major issues, including the contours of that massive tax refund, must now be negotiated with the governor. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. And
1: speaking of gas, the average price for a gallon of gasoline continues to rise across the country and here in California. Over the weekend, the national average for a gallon of regular gasoline reached an all-time high, topping $5 a gallon. And here in California, according to AAA, a gallon of regular gas costs an average of $6.43, also a record. That's up more than $0.50 from a month ago and more than $2 from this same time last year. Rural Alpine County has the highest average price in the state, with a gallon of regular gasoline costing nearly $7.80. And returning to the state budget, one of the many items Governor Newsom is set to weigh in on is the potential elimination of court fees known as civil assessments. Civil assessments are penalties that courts impose when traffic tickets and other citations aren't paid on time. And like other government-mandated late fees and penalties, they often hit low-income and black and Latino Californians the hardest. Both the State Assembly and Senate have voted to eliminate civil assessments and discharge all related debts. The question here is just in these
0: coming days as the negotiations conclude, will the governor strip the budget, the legislature's budget of this proposal? And it's totally possible that he will.
1: Rio Scharf is an attorney with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights of the San Francisco Bay Area. In the past, Newsom has recommended cutting the $300 civil assessment fee in half, but Scharf and other advocates argue that even if reduced, the fines would still place an unnecessary financial burden on many Californians. Advocates also say they aren't that effective at coaxing people to pay up. Research from other jurisdictions shows that text reminders and better notices can actually outperform some of these harsh and more punitive approaches. According to research from Scharf's group, courts have extracted more than $750 million in civil assessments from Californians in the past 10 years. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the cities of Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Richmond have all adopted rules to stop landlords from harassing their tenants. That harassment includes shutting off utilities, failing to make repairs, or refusing to accept rent. As KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports, the Bay Area city of Concord is the latest to take up these protections for renters.
3: When Aira Guerra moved into her small two-bedroom apartment in Concord three years ago, it wasn't in the best shape. There were cockroaches and mice. The landlord would periodically fumigate the building, but she says they always came back. So last month, Guerra called the city's building inspection department. A few days later, she got an eviction notice. She thinks it's retaliation. KQED couldn't reach her landlord for comment. Geta says she's been having headaches from the stress and doesn't know what to do. But if the Concord City Council adopts the proposed rules, she could have a new tool to fight the alleged harassment. The proposal would authorize fines of up to $5,000 and allow tenants to recoup attorney fees if they successfully sue their landlord. Joshua Howard with the California Apartment Association says the state already has laws that prohibit landlords from harassing their tenants.
2: What these ordinances do is they invite excessive penalties on landlords for making what could be considered an innocent mistake.
3: He blasted Conker's proposal as overly broad and questioned why tenants' rights organizations across California are pushing for these types of rules now. Chula Vista and Antioch are also considering similar legislation. Shanti Singh, a spokesperson for Tenants Together, says the timing has a lot to do with the pandemic.
2: Harassment really, really went up during COVID from the beginning, but especially, especially as the rent relief program sort of wore on and people were waiting.
3: She says that, coupled with the eviction moratorium, meant frustrated landlords were looking for other ways to get their tenants to pay or leave. But Zing says another reason is that over the past decade, more people of color and especially low-income renters have been moving away from expensive coastal cities in search of housing they can afford.
2: As people get pushed out further and further off and in inland, they're moving to places where they don't have any protections, and they're trying to organize in those places.
3: The Concord City Council is expected to vote tonight on the tenant anti-harassment ordinance. For the California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari.
1: This past weekend, there were multiple incidents across the country involving right-wing groups targeting Pride Month events. And we had at least two notable examples of LGBTQ hate here in California. On Saturday, a group of people alleged to be associated with the far-right Proud Boys heckled a drag queen who was leading a children's reading event at a library in Northern California's East Bay. And on Sunday, San Francisco Senator Scott Wiener, who's gay and has fought for LGBTQ rights, received an email with death threats concerning enough to warrant bomb-sniffing dogs checking his home. Here to talk with me about these recent waves of LGBTQ hate and their roots is Ari Drennan, LGBTQ Program Director for Media Matters for America. Welcome, Ari. Good
2: morning. Thank you for having me.
1: So I know Media Matters has been looking into these ties between these hate hate incidents targeting the LGBTQ community and right-wing platforms. Tell me more about that.
2: Yeah, unfortunately the events that we saw over the weekend, which also included the 31 members of the fascist gang the Patriot Front being arrested on their way to an Idaho Pride event. These are kind of the a continuation of the violent rhetoric that we've seen in online spaces really growing over this year, bleeding into the real world.
1: And there's one online space in particular that you're concerned about, and that's uh, Libs of TikTok. Tell me more about that and its role in fanning the flames of these incidents, of organizing these events that target the LGBTQ community.
2: Yeah, of course. So Libs of TikTok, uh, somewhat confusingly, is a Twitter account. And in March, our data showed that they were the top Twitter account amplifying anti-LGBTQ hate. The account started out by posting videos of primarily LGBTQ people, a lot of teachers as well and sort of highlighting those for their users but they've since they've since moved on to uh, highlighting LGBTQ events that are taking place while simultaneously continuing to perpetuate the slander that LGBTQ people are, grooming or otherwise threatening children.
1: And what do you think is at stake here? I mean, other than, of course, being concerned about violence toward people, what do you think is the wider concern of the community?
2: According to a study by the Williams Institute at UCLA, trans people specifically are over four times more likely to experience violent victimization than the average American I'm concerned about something similar to another PizzaGate. If you have right-wing pundits um, like Lips of TikTok, you know Tucker Carlson has used to show to make similar allegations. Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has been out there spreading the same kind of stuff, you know, saying that LGBTQ people are grooming children, are you know turning them LGBTQ, are making them trans. All of this false stuff um, is very threatening to people and unfortunately, could lead them to take violent action, you know, of the same kind that we saw over the weekend or more serious. You know, I'm concerned about sort of a general rollback of, of rights for LGBTQ people and our ability to feel safe in public.
1: Once again, that was Ari Drennan, LGBTQ Director for Media Matters for America. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors will take up a proposal today that would enable the county to sue gun manufacturers for their role in deadly shootings. Supervisor Tara Lawson-Remer is one of the co-authors of the measure. During a news conference yesterday, she says it's about holding gun makers accountable.
3: This is about taking our fight for gun safety from the statehouse to the courthouse using the law. To pursue civil liability.
1: Talia Fish is a 10th grader in the San Diego County community of Encinitas. She says she often thinks about the possibility of a shooting when going to school.
2: Since my voice does not count at the ballot box, I am urging you instead to hear it now. I must beg that you consider the way that I feel, the way that my peers feel, and the fact that we are asking you to please keep us safe, to please keep the guns out of our school, to please hold the right people accountable.
1: Meanwhile, gun rights advocates in the San Diego area say this is more about politics than actually preventing shootings. A similar bill to sue gun makers is making its way through the state legislature. Part of a package of gun safety measures proposed this legislative session. Nearly 50 miles of Highway 70 in Butte and Plumas counties are closed indefinitely due to mudslides and debris flows in the area. Much of the damage occurred in burn scars from last year's Dixie Fire. Thunderstorms and heavy rains hit parts of Northern California on Sunday, causing the slides. Here's Chris Woodward, a spokesperson for Caltrans, speaking with Fox 40 Television in Sacramento. Get uh, access into the area so they can further assess, see what kind of roadway damage we're dealing with. Woodward says it's unclear if parts of the roadway or guardrail will need to be completely replaced. The highway is closed in both directions between Jarbo Gap in Butte County to the Greenville Y at Highway 89 in Plumas County. Caltrans says local residents in the area may still be able to get to their homes. Caltrans also says it's working to get at least one lane of the roadway back open, but there's no estimated time of reopening. And finally this morning, officials at Yosemite National Park are asking the public for help. They need assistance in identifying vandals who spray-painted more than 30 sites in the park, including rock formations. Photos posted on social media show rocks tagged with the word Fresno and other writing in blue and white spray paint. The tagging occurred along the Yosemite Falls Trail, likely on the evening of May 20th. It's thought to be the worst case of Yosemite Park vandalism in
0: more than a decade. Support for the California report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. Stanford Healthcare alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
1: And that is the California Report for Tuesday, June 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.